Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Hendrix Experience, or maybe welcome to. We'll see how that works out in post. Anyway, today I have the privilege. This guy was the comic that kind of took me under his wing when I legit started doing open mics. Where I went and did open mics, it was a really cool uh, place because... A lot of these bigger places you go to, like Go Bananas and the Funny Bone, these corporate, and I'm not saying like corporate, like corporate, take them down. I'm just saying they're bigger clubs. Um, they have uh, rules, and, and, and you have to be a TV, a TV, I said TV, you have to have tuberculosis. You have to be a, a TV friendly comic um, on your open mic set. You can't say, and, and where we were at, gave us the freedom to really just be who we were and tell the comedy we wanted to tell. Um, and this dude, so with that being said, it was a rough crowd of uh, mutants and degenerates. And this degenerate here took me under his wing, uh, and he's a great dude. I consider him to be my brother in comedy and a great friend as well, uh, Sean Corn. Hey, what's going on? Oh, that was perfect. So what's been going on, man? I mean, I see you got this nice little podcast going. Uh, that's it. That and there's a pandemic sweeping the nation. Yeah, that's about the only things going on in my life. What about you? Nothing. I uh, uh, jumped over the broom. I uh, now just sitting in the house watching TV and writing jokes from time to time. Writing jokes. This day and age, the yes, jokes they do. Write themselves. Watch the news. <laughs> I try to stay away from the news because politics sucks. Oh. I don't want to be a political comedian. I think those guys, I mean, Carlin was amazing at it because that was his niche. That's just not my niche. You know what I'm saying? I just. You got to have a, yeah. you got to have a stomach for it. You really do. It's like, it's almost like uh, being a proctologist. Like you're always, always. stepping in the shit. You like, always got your head up always. somebody's ass. So you stepped in some shit. Thanks for the great intro, dude. I appreciate it, man. I, that that place was it was like it's full of mutants and degenerates. If it wasn't <laughs> a, 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 an off the wall Johnny Tremarco joke, it was a story by Moose that was just wow. <laughs> Did we really just say that on the microphone? <laughs> it was yes, rough. it was. It was great though. It was the only place I knew of where we took requests for jokes. <laughs> Are you doing a set right now? Damn. No. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just gotta, being me. You got to warn me, man. Wow. I got to cut my mic down. You're going to hear this uh, COPD <laughs> laugh like it's in a bingo hall. Like, <laughs> with that bronchioles like a horse getting slaughtered in the background nervous as i was as many cigarettes i smoked it feels like it's a bingo hall in here oh, you know man dude that was the shit we took requests it was the truth and and, and <laughs> people would they we, we take oh. joke re, joke requests hey johnny tell them the joke about the indian oh, and man. it was it was such a small tight-knit crowd and family like they expected us to be off the chain we didn't even have to put a warning label up. They just knew it. Yeah. You go do oh, comedy yeah. at the pub. You go see a show at the pub. It's it's going to be off the wall. Well, you know, and, and, and we've even had instances uh, where somebody would go up there for the first time and they would tell a joke that was like none of us vibed with. And legit, they would get down or whatever. And as comics do, we'd still somehow muster up a whatever for him, like a clap. 
But, like, it was that kind of place, man. It, it was definitely, like, I went there a few times and heard some jokes. I'm like, oh, that guy's a real prick. Like, he's a real, somebody needs to beat his ass. Yeah. And, and there are other times it's great natural comics. You were one of those great natural comics that just got up there and it was funny. See, now you're, and then wanting, we've all now you're wanting change back from that 20. No, I already got it. Don't worry. <laughs> It, there was a lot of talent there, man. Like, uh, it was a place where you could really cut your teeth because it wasn't, I don't know. And, and, and again, I don't want to, and, and I'm going to charge you on this, Sean, of calling me if I start sounding like I'm kind of being insulting. But when you go to the other open mics, the bigger ones, I'm not talking about the other local ones. I'm not crapping on any local mic here in Cincinnati. I'm just saying when you go to like a bigger club open mic, and it's not even just here in Cincinnati, uh, some of these bigger clubs, um, it's, it's a weird vibe. Even if you're just there, because there's like, we were at a, we were at a bar where people weren't forced to bring anyone. And and where there was no drink minimum, and you had no. to earn every laugh you got. <laughs> like there was no <clears throat> gimme crowds. No, and that that's what open mics in general. It's like that. You're not a big end celebrity. You're not a you know what I'm saying. Uh, internet comedian, which I find some of them repulsive. Um, you're not any of that. You're just a guy getting up there telling jokes for the first couple of times and they don't some some of my places they don't like that too well you know what i mean um i know when i went out and did a trip out in vegas i was going to do some open mic comedy out there and I, i'll admit i got punked out because i went and watched one and they were cutthroat it was worse than the apollo wow it was cut it was cutthroat and i just felt like i wasn't ready to be in vegas and telling jokes now granted i might have psyched myself out and went up there and could have killed it yeah i th- I think I, you could have hung I, I mean that's my opinion but yeah it's i think i could have killed it too i've I always been your out. biggest fan i appreciate it i, I have two you'll you and my beautiful wife over here how much so, is she paying you <laughs> yeah right <laughs> <laughs> but that i i guess the best thing to tell somebody is you know when you with especially with open mics you got to get up there and you're going to bomb you're going to not be funny being funny isn't an overnight situation you know what i'm saying it's it takes some time i've been people have been telling me for 10 years now to go ahead on and do it and take the leap and get on stage and i refused i just because i know what funny is and i just didn't think i reached to that level of funny and if it wasn't for a great friend of mine, Matt Broadback. His dad uh, is is a great comedian, uh, Mr. Broad- Dave Broadback. He's uh, if it wasn't for them to actually literally telling me, "No, kid, you're funny." You know what I'm saying? I would have never gotten on stage, and that was all on a dare. He was going to get on stage to to appease his dad for you know, so his dad will leave him alone about telling jokes, and he didn't want to do it on his own. So I said I'd do it with him. That's awesome. Ain't that crazy? It is. And I never would have got on stage if I wouldn't have accepted that joke. And I was hoping he was going to tell me he wasn't going to make it. 
because I sure as hell was not ready to tell any jokes. I didn't know how to write a joke. I didn't know where to begin the writing jokes. You still don't. I, I still don't to a to a degree know how to write a joke. Right, I take that back. <laughs> I just hey. You were like wide open, man. I couldn't just let you walk by. Oh, uh, yeah. Sorry. You had slapped me in the ass. I understand. But I just, I, I never knew that I could tell a joke until I got on stage. And from then on out, it's just been fun. I'm doing a lot more writing than I am you know, performing now because of COVID and, you know, being a amateur stand-up comedian doesn't pay the bills. <laughs> right, so right. You got to have a shoe job too. So I haven't been doing a lot of performing lately as of late, but once this COVID stuff up, my hunger is back. I'm ready to get back in there and do it again. Um, I've been writing jokes this whole time. I really wanted to uh, talk to you or have you talk on, speak on, speak on, is that proper wording, uh, on hosting and how you feel uh, like when, you know, early on, like when you first started doing the open mics and you were trying to find out who you were on stage, like how do you feel that hosting helped you come into yourself? Wow, that's a good question. Um, it helped me. It gave me time to practice material that I was iffy about. It also, I didn't have to stand up there for a full five minutes. And if the material bombed, you know what I'm saying? I got to take it and run with it. You know what I'm saying? Whereas with hosting, you get times to practice jokes that you're weakest at for delivery. Um, it also, with uh, hosting, um, it helped me find my, my, my footing. I was able to try out different comedy techniques. You know, I couldn't figure out whether or not I wanted to be the stoner or just who I am. And hosting helped me figure out, just be yourself. You know what I'm saying? You're, you're a potheaded, scatterbrained, uh, funny observationalist. And, and that's what I am. You know, I'll observe something and see something and I find the humor in all of it. You said it too, because, uh, I mean, you made the greatest point. You said a lot of good stuff there. So let me try to collect where I was going with that. But you're right. Like when you were hosting, I mean, that's it. Like when you're hosting, you drop the charade. You dropped uh, you drop the the trying to figure out your bit because you're not trying to figure out your bit. You're just up there, like you said, hitting, you know, bam, bam, trying to work a joke out, and there's no pressure. So by relieving that pressure of trying to figure out who you are during an open mic five-minute set, you, by default, come into who you are. Uh, and, I mean, because I feel like if you're a strong host, like if you're a strong host – then you can guarantee deliver a solid five minute set, if not yeah. longer, <laughs> if not 10 minute, 20 minute, because like you've just got these wham, bam, thank you, ma'ams. And you're good at developing rapport. So you know how to kill time. You know what I mean? I mean, if you were a solid host, you can easily showcase those who suffer at riffing are not really good at riffing, which I learned, which is called riffing, just bullshitting in between a joke. This is a good time. The hosting helps you do that because there's going to be a lot of times where the comic's not going to be ready. There could be a technical difficulty. You got to know how to shoot from the hip. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of uh, ad lib. A lot. A lot of ad lib, you know, when it comes to hosting. And you got to keep them into the, the, the comedy, you know, the show. If your host sucks, it, it, it completely tears the tempo down of the whole show. Yeah. 
Adam said that he doesn't like when a host uh, interacts with the crowd like too much. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. because then it opens them up to talk throughout a set. But, and I'm guilty of that. I do. I mean, you've seen me do it. Like, especially if the last comic wasn't strong, I want to set that next comic up for the crowd to be on the side. So I feel like sometimes as a host, our interaction, even though some comics don't like it, because again, but here's the deal. Do you want a call? Oh, and then maybe some comics don't care. Maybe they prefer the cold crowd. You right. know what I mean? What, what What's your views on that? I'd rather have a hot crowd. If the crowd's already laughing, it's going to be easier to keep them laughing, especially a crowd in a bar. You know, once, once they're laughing, it's a wrap. You can say anything. You can say didgeridoo, and it's funny to them, which didgeridoo is a funny word as it is. But is. yeah, didgeridoo, you know, just say it. Until you have to spell it. Yeah, I, I'm not spelling didgeridoo. That's what Google speech to text is for. <laughs> and even then, A might get it wrong. You say didgeridoo. Until, yeah, I was going to say until it says DeJorn. Yeah, either that or tickle me poo, you know. Did <laughs> you say tickle me poo? No, I said didgeridoo. <laughs> Do you know where my shoe? No, damn it, didgeridoo. Fuck it, I'll spell it myself. Right. And then you ask Alexa. And then Alexa's like, didgeridoo on your shopping list. And you're like, no, no. no. And then Alexa's like, deliver now. Didgeridoo. Express or something like that. Express delivery. Charge $500 for, I don't even know. For a didgeridoo. Now you got to learn how to play the damn didgeridoo. It shouldn't be hard, though. I wouldn't think it would be But then you open up a spa. Yeah. See, it can work out for the positive, even messing up the word spell on didgeridoo. Yeah. Thank you, Alexa. See, I'm going to have to write this down. This is a joke development. Didgeridoo. You already wrote one joke tonight when you, when you said that. <laughs> it was the kind of open mic where we took requests. <laughs> I didn't even expect that. It just that, And that's and see, that's the beauty about comedy. Itself, yeah. Humor is everywhere in everything and everything that you do. You know, and yeah. there, there's, you know, there's no reason you can't find humor in everything. Yeah. Even the ugly. Yeah. I mean, you have to because like. Uh, and, you know, let me ask you about this. And, and me and you've talked as friends and I didn't preface this conversation with this. So I hope I'm not uh, overstepping. And if I am, just tell me and I'll probably still put it on. But no, I'm just kidding. But um. How does comedy play into your mental health? Oh, um, wow. That's a, that's a hard hitting question. Um, I'll answer it, but it's still one of those like, wow, played in my mental. How does it play? Into my, it does big time. Um, it plays hugely into my mental health. Um, I have manic depression, so I'm at my best when I'm on a manic high. Um, my, one of my biggest idols was Robin Williams, and he was a man. Yeah. So I find myself like Robin Williams, where you can really tell in my sets what mood I'm in or whether or not I'm on a manic high or manic low, because it depends on how dark it is. Usually I'm, I'm goofy and riffing around and, 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 and you know just interacting with the crowd and having a great time and telling jokes and making funnies. Then I'm usually on a manic high. When it gets in that dark, weird, you know what I'm saying, gay bar humor, I'm, I'm usually on a manic low. So that, that 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 does a big, big thing 
for me, mental health does. Um, it's also, um, I know you said you hated the word, um, but it's also <laughs> it's all good. I, I say it all the time. You Don't motherfucker, worry about I'm about to edit all of this. Um, <laughs> nah, that's good. The mental health with comedians, period, man. It's it it's one and it's one and it's all. You know, it's the same thing. Yeah, it's it's a huge escape for me. It helps me stop thinking about what was dragging me down in the first place. I wasn't surprised when you said that a big influence uh, for you was Robin Williams, but I was a little bit surprised when you gave your reasoning of how you guys are similar. I can see it now. I'm not saying you're wrong. No, I, no. I can totally see it. But the reason, because the reason I see it um, is because you leave everything on stage. Like there's such a level, like when it's like when Robin would get manic, it's like when you feel that connection with your audience and it's almost like a fuse being lit. Right. And then you just, you just go rapid fire. It's like you're in the zone. That's the only way you can say it is you get in the zone and you may have had another three or four minutes of set, but you may fire from the hit for, you know, I said hit, you may fire from the hip for like five minutes just because I mean, you're just in the zone and I see you do that because I've seen Robin, when he, unless he was that much of a master of a set, but I feel like you could see him sometimes when the audience was just feeding him. Yeah. I mean, he was just going. And I used to see that with you is like when they'd start getting behind you, especially with your, your church set. Um, I mean, you would just be on fire and, and especially cause that's when you would go into the whole choir, uh, routine and, and you're, it, it was almost like a perfect progression, like a roller coaster. Cause like you'd be on fire at that point. And that set would just be so much more funny. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it, it is a roller coaster for me. Um, usually, and I'm, I'll be transparent, 100% transparent. Um, usually before I get on stage, I'll have a drink and that puts me in a mindset of, okay, you're here. You got to do this. You can't back out. That's my biggest thing. You're here. You got to do this. You can't back out. It's hard. People, <laughs> yeah, it I don't is. think people realize if you've done, I don't care if you've done 10, 20. Um, you know, I used to DJ. Uh, this man was a wrestler. Have I even, I haven't even brought that. That's the <laughs> elephant in the room right now. I'm sorry. Um, and we'll get back to that, though, because I feel like we're talking about something, you know, just as important. So we'll get back to that. Because uh, that's, a, but I'm, you are used to being a performer. And I don't care how many times you've done anything, when you're a performer, you still get cold feet. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's a big thing, especially when there's lots of people out there because these are all new faces. They've never yeah. heard, you know, if there's a crowd of a hundred, you know, 50 of those are new faces. 75 of those are new faces. You know? Or if you're doing an open mic, what if the guy before you bombed or what oh, if there's man. a drunk yeah. that you've already seen in the crowd? You know what I mean? Like, oh, what yeah, if just they've already been lost bitch for the night? <laughs> but I mean, do you, those are like some of the anxieties that you yeah, ha or I have, I have. Let me say, what I if they have. don't get behind me? What if my oh, jokes yeah, bomb? That's the hardest. So yeah, I have that drink, and that's what puts me in the mindset. Well, I'm here. Fuck it. What's the worst that can happen? They not laugh. Then I go home and try this again. One thing I was gonna say though, uh, and you pretty much just said it, so I don't know how I'm gonna say it now. Um, 
with your mental health, like uh, a big thing with depression, um, I we've talked again, we both have had our journeys, but a big thing with depression that helps uh, helps you get into a better place, I would say, is when you start reaching a point when you believe in yourself. Yes. And, and when you start overcoming obstacles. And from a new comic standpoint, an open mic is a huge social anxiety obstacle that I don't care if you go up and bomb, you, you still crush that obstacle every time you get up there. Do you feel like that helps with your depression? Yes. Yeah, and, and like keep you in a better place for a little bit longer. Yeah, it does. It puts you on a, a nice little high. And it helps you, you know, say, okay, well, let me go home and fix this. Or I didn't like the way I did this. So let me, I, I used to, you know, Adam Minnick told me, he said, start recording your sets. And I did. And I hated the way I sounded. But it gave me feedback. You know what I'm saying? Um, I used to hate it because most of the sets that I recorded, nobody laughed. So I didn't want to hear that back. Or when I would video record myself, the laughter sounded great live. Then when I played it back on video, it really wasn't laughing as loud as I thought they were. Moose told me one thing that made a lot of sense to me is that the phone microphones, when we record them, don't pick up audiences very well at all i mean they really don't and i mean i know that almost sounds like a crutch you know like oh well, there but i mean it, it's really true because yeah. I'll, I'll think back like you just said and like man it you know i thought it was like i thought i killed it and then you'll listen to the video and it's like you know like a bingo hall or a golf game and you're like yeah oh, wow so yeah it was it, it does that it, it'll that'll help that that'll mess with your mental health but also help it you know what i'm saying yeah. um Build up some resilience. Yeah, it does. The tough skin, you got to have tough skin because not only sometimes with these open mics, it, you're, you're not only to a drunk crowd of, you know, just bar goers who are there who just came there to get a drink after work and really don't want to hear no damn jokes. But you got other comedians too. Some of that are professional. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, with, with Working with Moose, that gave me some tough skin to be able to deal with a lot of the criticism that comes with professional comedians. Um, is that he would he has the professional comedians and mixed in with his open mics. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Rob Wolfong will come by or Adam Minnick, Dave Dillinger. You know, some of these professional comedians from around the area would come through and do open mics, and we got great feedback from them, which was yeah. another, you know, helped me understand that I can do this. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, we, had a, we had a special little... Uh... It was a special little thing that we had. It was just so sweet. It was. It was so beautiful. Special. It was. Uh, we just fostered it and kissed it and loved it. And he needs to get it, it back going again. It was great. Anyway, now we're back. So let's talk about your other, the other, your other, the other side of Sean. <laughs> Sean has two faces. Let's talk about the other professional side. I don't know how to speak today. Let's talk about your wrestling career how about that all right yeah it only took me 20 minutes finally got it out <laughs> um what do you want to what do you want to know where do you want to start uh, that's kind of where i want to start i want to know how you got started i got started doing a lovely thing called backyard wrestling 
Um, <laughs> and it was a troop of us kids. We all lived in the same neighborhood. We were fortunate enough to, there was a local wrestling show that needed help putting up the wrestling ring. So we, I was 16 years old, 17 years old. So in exchange for putting up the wrestling ring, they would show us moves and different ways of doing things. Um, and that's how I got started. I've always been a huge wrestling fan since I was a child. So this was the opportunity for me to get in there and actually get in there. You know what I'm saying? And do what I've that's seen my awesome. heroes do. And so from there, we uh, started doing our own, producing our own shows um, inside of a boxing arena, a local boxing arena, Spears Gym on Hamilton Avenue in Mount Healthy. It's not there anymore. Rest in peace, Jim Spears. He passed away last year. Um, huge wow. influence in getting us a, a lot of, you know, a lot of local stars that are wrestling now, a lot of local, uh, that's maybe some of these wrestling people that are listening to your podcast are wrestling fans. A lot of your local stars came out of this one gym and, yeah. uh, yeah, that's how we got started. We did that. And from there that's I got crazy. the op opportunity to finish getting trained and out of price hill, IWI. Uh, Tom Jamai. Remember that too. Yeah. So I got trained out of that school and the rest is history. I've been doing it for 16 years. Um, my body can feels like I've been doing it for 25, but that's how I got started. You're not only a wrestler, you're also a promoter, Yes, which I, is <laughs> its own yeah, side of the business. Yeah, it's a, it's a, if it's a scary side of the business, it's where all the money is handled. Scary side. How did you get into, well, I guess, does that stem back from, like you said, when you were setting up your own shows? I yeah. Guess, and, I mean, you legit have to have a license with the state to be a wrestling promoter. Yes. And most people don't know that. They think they just set up a show and they yeah. do it. No, you have to be licensed by the state. I am licensed by the state to do this. Um, yeah, I mean, like it, like the 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 cops could come, <laughs> legit. So if, if if you were advertising a wrestling show on Facebook, let's say, the cops could show up before your show at your venue and say, "Where's your promoter?" And this promoter per, per, presents. And I know, I'm sorry, it's because you already know all this, but a lot of people I don't think know this. Sean has a physical plastic like license that he presents that shows that he is the promoter. Yeah, I it blew my mind. I was like, "Oh wow!" I have to file a permit with the uh, state of Ohio every show. It's a hundred dollars every show uh, to get sent to. I have to send that up to the uh, the uh, state of Ohio up in Youngstown, the Athletic Commission, and they issue me a permit that says that I am legally allowed to run a wrestling show this night. What What is your uh, timeline for that? Uh, we mean timeline. How long does it take to uh, do one of those? Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I, I guess how much notice do you have to give, like to file the permit for the show, if that makes um, sense? The week of is your deadline. Oh, okay. So you okay. can file so the then, permit on a Monday and receive it back by Thursday if your show's on a Saturday. Now, what happens? Like, say you file one on a Monday, you got a show coming up on a Friday, and it's Thursday night, and you still don't have a permit. Um, you're supposed to not run the show. But usually what happens is you call up and you call the athletic commission and make sure that they received your permit. And uh, once they say they have received your permit and the money, either they tell you they'll approve it and email you a copy, which is what a lot of times that happens. They get backed up a lot because not only does the athletic commission handle wrestling, 
They handle MMA, boxing, you know what I'm saying? All combat oh, wow. sports. I didn't know. Yeah. I guess that makes sense. Taekwondo. Yeah, all the combat sports that you would, you know, tournaments and things of that nature. Um, wow. So they get backed up sometimes, so sometimes they overlook it. So you just call up there and you explain yourself what's going on, and they'll find your permit. Um, if they approve of it, they'll tell you they approve it. Go ahead on and run your show. We'll email you a copy. And there you have it. But there's a lot of what we call rogue shows that don't do that, and, you know. Now, here's a question, and I don't know if it's been posed to you. I don't know if you even thought about it, and it may not even be that big of a question to you. What's it going to be like doing both of them? What's it going to be like where, in one aspect, you get to play this character and kind of distract yourself and, 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 and you know what I mean, get, get that approval that way? Versus the other side of yourself that has to just own up to life's faults that we have and just to be real and just to, to, like you said, be transparent on stage and to just accept life the way it is. I mean, how does, how does that dance take place? How does the dance take place between two people? Um, between me, myself and, and, and the character that I play. Is that basically the gist of the question? Yeah, like the like the the mental dance, if you know what I mean. Like, how does the escapism? It's a switch. When you have that. I know when I'm on stage, I'm myself, so I don't have to hit the switch. When I'm getting ready to perform, when I ride into a town, when I'm ready to do wrestling, the moment that I get, you know, the GPS tells me I'm 20 minutes away, the switch flips, and I'm that character. Does it play on? Does it play on your mood? Yes. Big time, big time, because I can go from being in a great mood to being this giant, because I'm a heel in the business. It's a switch that I flip because I'm a heel in the business. I'm the bad guy. So I have to be this asshole and my mood will flip in a heartbeat. I'll start, I'll get real quiet. I'll you know, go to myself and it's almost like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I snap. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. You have to put, you really, it's really, you really have to do that. It's, you, it's, it's kind of like what, what they would call actors would call method acting. Yeah. It's the same situation, so, man. You got to get yourself into it. So how are you with like your peers then? Like say your, your other buddies that are like, say if there's a baby face and you guys are backstage and he's your buddy. But again, like you said, you're a heel or say, say, you have a buddy that is a baby face and, Once I, and you guys it, are working together that night. Like you're fighting him that night. How do you guys interact backstage? Um, we have to, we have to discuss some things um, and figure out what's going on. Um, but other than that, not really for me, I tend wow. to stay away. So it's almost like the coaches before the game, how yeah. they kind of shake hand. Wow. <laughs> wow. Even if you guys are close friends now before this, um, some I joke around with for me, the ones that know me that if I work with you and you know me, know me, then I usually joke around and I'm laughing, goofing, but then there still is that point in time where I'm like, it's flips. And usually a great professional, whether he's a baby face or not, he'll do the same thing. He'll separate himself. That's awesome. You just step into the role. Yeah, you have to. That's awesome. 
you know, I have to make you believe it. It's called suspending that we we the we 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 say it's called suspending disbelief. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because you get absorbed. That's like going to Disney World. You know you're at Disney World, but for that moment in time, well, whatever you're doing, it's a small world after all. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, you know it. Like, yeah. You know you know that they're actors. You know that that's, really not, that's not really Cinderella. That's not really Aladdin. You know what I'm saying? You know this. So what you do is, is you, you go there and you suspend disbelief. You're in the happiest place on earth. You're in a Disneyland. You're in a cartoon yourself. And that's the same thing that happens when people come to wrestling. You know what I'm saying? Um, They suspend disbelief for a minute, so they believe that I am that character. So I have to make them believe that I'm that character. Sean, I appreciate you, brother. Thank you for coming on, man. Hey, real quick, before I let you go, though, do you want to tell people how they can look you up? Yeah, you can get me on Facebook.com slash The Real Mike Malakas. That's Malakas spelled M-A-L-A-K-U-S. It means asshole in Greek. Um, you can also check us out on our Facebook, my other Facebook page. Um, it's for my professional wrestling, um, The Real Mike Malakis. That's facebook.com slash The Real Mike Malakis again. Um, then there is the other Facebook page that has the uh, other wrestling information. And uh, that is The Crave is Here. That's my production company. Check me out. Um but yeah, that's really it. Maybe did I, did I do that? Wait a minute, let me look that other Mike Malakis page up because that's the actual page. Oh, it's facebook.com oh, no. slash Mr. Malakis spelled the same way M-A-L-A-K-U-S. 